Father, this morning, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you only did not speak through your servants, the prophets in the old days. One day you decided to speak through your very son. For it is written in the last days, he has spoken through his son. For the son who was the word of God in the beginning became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have beheld the glory of the father, full of grace and full of truth. You came so that we might know the father. You came that all of us could go back to the father. You came that you might pay the penalty of our sin and break the power of death over our lives. You came to seek to save the lost. You came to destroy the works of the devil. This morning, Jesus, more than any morning, this morning, we want to thank you. We are all part of your history, your family, because of that day. We just want to thank you, Lord. I pray, Father, if there is still anybody in this place and listening online around the world, anybody still who is unsaved, by the end of the service, your spirit would convict them. I do not have the power to convict, Lord. I do not have the power to save anyone. Only you have. So I commit them specifically this day into thy hands. They may have come dead, but they would go alive. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Speak to us this morning. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 I want you to turn this morning to... John chapter 11. One of you could just walk around and reduce the speed of the fan that reduces the sound because the ACs are on anyway. Gospel according to John verses 1 to 6. Now a certain man was sick. Lazarus of Bethany. The town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister, and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. That's not how you want it to end, right? When he heard, imagine, huh? imagine somebody calls and tells Pastor Vijay, did you hear? No, what? Pastor James is very ill and he's been admitted in the hospital. He says, okay, I'll go after two days. Think. You know, you have heard it many times, but there are a lot of new people who are listening. A lot of new people who are listening. 
The gospel according to John is different from the other gospels. Okay, it's not like the same. It's a different gospel. It's, a, it's written differently by the Spirit of God. There are only eight miracles in the gospel according to John. Seven before resurrection and one after resurrection. So there are seven before resurrection, starting with the miracle of turning water into wine at the wedding of Cana. And they're called signs. They're not called just miracles. These are called signs. And each of the signs or miracles were pointing to an aspect of what God was doing through his son in our lives. And we are coming to the seventh one, the finale. We are coming to the high point of his ministry. A resurrection like no other resurrection. A man who is dead and buried for four days. Nothing. In the first miracle, there are so many ways Spirit can show us truths. But there were six earthen pots or stone pots outside just used for water, for washing feet. It's a ritual cleansing. And that's the water that became wine. Okay. So he was turning a nation from rituals into an everlasting covenant of his blood. That's what we partook of. The first. That's why he told his mother, my time is not come. The time is not come. But he did it ahead of time. A symbol that the covenant of blood is going to happen. The second was the official. Remember? Son was ill. And just said, go. Go. Your son is, your son, your servant is healed. And the man took him at God's word, Jesus' word, and he went. And on the way he heard the report that he's healed. Okay. And God was saying, his word, when you believe, is your healing. He sent forth his word and healed him, us of our diseases. You know, you don't realize how easy it is. To fight sickness. It's as simple as believing. Okay. The man took Jesus at his word. And he went. The third is at the pool of Bethsaida. Where there is this man of 38 years. A symbol of Israel. 38 years they wandered in the wilderness. After coming to Kadesh Barnea. Jesus asked him this question. Do you want to be made well? Pick up your mat and walk. Okay. So he He's the one who delivers us of our bonds, our captivity, sets us free. And he's also the one who judges because later. See, when God sets you free, it's very interesting, okay? You'll see, it doesn't matter if it's a cripple sitting beside a pool for 38 years or whether it's Apostle Peter who has been released miraculously by the angel from a prison. This man is set free, but he's not told where to go. Peter is set free, brought to the street, the gates open, set free, and the angel disappears. The angel doesn't tell the apostle also where to go. You and I have that free will, the liberty to choose where to go. 
to the house of God or the den of the devil? We have to choose. I said before you, life and death, we choose. Peter went to the house where prayer was taking place. And this man went to the temple. And the Bible says, Jesus found him in the temple. And then he had another word for him. Okay. If you don't go to the house of God, God does not have another word for you. Remember these things. And there was a little boy with five loaves of bread and two fish. And an immense crowd. We see another miracle unfolding. So many, but he is basically telling you, I am your provision. I am your provision. Remember, we have spiritual ammunition. That's why those stones were put. If you don't have memorials in your life, spiritual markers in your life, you will have spiritual ammunition. So many children are unbelievingly ungrateful to their parents. It's because they have forgotten what their parents did for them. The sign of the last days, ungratitude. They've forgotten. And they sit there in judgment seat judging their parents. That's why God told the second generation, don't you dare to say anything against your parents. Not to the first generation. Second generation. Because they had a lot of grievances if they wanted. Because of you, we lost 38 years of our life. But God says, if you have complaints, I can tell you one thing your parents did, the reason why you are here. When you were not even born, and when you did not know your right hand from your left hand, your parents believed and put the blood over their houses. That's why you are alive. They believed. Watch for that. Because last days is absolute entitled mentality. Entitled mentality. Watch, guard your heart. Gratitude is one of the most dangerous sicknesses. Because we forget. Because if you forget, remember, if you can forget who were your parents, who were what we call invested in your lives. You can forget them who you can see. How easy to forget God whom you cannot see. That's exactly what God, God says in the gospel epistle of John. He says, if you cannot love your brother whom you see, how can you love God you cannot see? That's the commandment. Get these pictures very, very clearly. Okay. Get your pictures. Have these things in your mind from your teachers. Okay? You may not have liked their accent or because they spanked you and all, but if they did not invest in your lives. From Miss Wangdi, who taught me in class one, to Babu Judson, my principal in class ten. I know my teachers. And when I became a teacher, I know my students. I still have all their pictures. Because when I get time, I lay my hands over them and pray over every one of them. I don't know where they are. I'll never meet them in this life. But they are also souls for whom Jesus died. Because the reason is that Jesus died for the unworthy of which we all are. 
minute you think you are worthy, you are not worthy for heaven. Heaven is for the unworthy. So remember, remember, have markers in your life. Remember, because the, that's what God was trying to tell them. No. Remember, I can take care of all your needs. Don't forget. So he had two miracles over there of feeding a crowd of 4,000 and a crowd of 5,000. And then he talked about bread. Immediately they said, oh, we forgot to bring bread. He said, do you remember? With seven loaves of bread, how many people did I feed? Did you remember? How quickly you forgot? How quickly we forget? Spiritual ammunition will lead to spiritual death. Remember. Remember. Last night, we were, I had gone up to my bedroom and my and I were talking and then I saw a text from downstairs. The kid from Bangalore also was there and she and Manisha was trying to give my mother <laughs> the medication, final medication. She texted and said, Papu, can you come down? Amma is not taking her medication. <laughs> I just went down. Very easy, okay. I told Amma, open your mouth. Ah. And I put it in, gave the water, and she took it. And I said, Papu, it is so easy. I said, 50 years ago, she did it for me. Ah. Put it in. 50 years ago, it's nice. Ah. Okay. It's not a difficult thing. You don't forget these things. Okay. You don't forget those things. Okay. Just remember, if the Lord tarries to come, you're not going to remain young. You will all grow old. Then there should be people in your lives who would be able to say, you invested in my lives. I remember. I remember. Remember. Don't take these things lightly because these are all signs. There should be signposts in our life too. And then Jesus walks on water. Disciples are busy rowing, winds are contrary. Jesus walks on water. What is he saying? The old order of things is passing away. A new order is rising where men will learn to live by faith in the Son of God. It is not life like normal. It is not life like usual. Then there was a man who was born blind. Born blind. Right? That's how we were all born. Some are still blind. We see because there is light, not because we have eyes. We see only because we have eyes, then we should be able to see in the dark. But we cannot see in the dark because we see because there is light. So Jesus said, I am the light of the world. If you do not have me in you, you will not see. Only those who have Jesus in them can see. The others are still blind. Then he comes here. Chapter 11, verse 1 onwards. Right? Yeah. Now a certain man was sick. You can put yourself there. A certain man, a certain woman, a certain child. Man was sick. Lazarus of Bethany, the town of 
Mary and Martha. Biblical history is not like secular history. Stanley, which town are you from? Nisampet. One day in the Chronicles of Heaven it will return. Nisampet, the town of Stanley. If you can go to John chapter 1 and verse 14. John, and then come back here, 114. John 114. I don't know whether I gave it to you. The town of Andrew and Peter. It's called the town of Andrew and Peter. It's another portion in the Bible. See, we name cities after people. God doesn't name cities after people. Like we do. In spiritual history, towns and places have their history only by people who are recorded by God, not recorded by man. You see that? The town of Mary and Martha. Heaven and earth will pass away. Even when heaven and earth has passed away, this record stands in heaven. Bethany will be called the town of Mary and Martha. 142. 44. Not 14. 44. 144. Okay. Please remember. You'll be surprised. When you reach heaven, you find a village named after you. Right? Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. So there was a man who was sick. Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha, and tells about Mary, who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So, you see, when you read scripture, you need written into detail. There were three in the people, three in the house. One was sick, and remember that one who anointed him. And it is her brother. Not the one who grumbled and complained. Therefore the sisters sent him, sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Trusting, right? Wording. Lord, Lazarus who loves you is sick. No, no, no. Lazarus whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, if you, if you remember, if you notice, I've been trying to teach and tell you over the weeks. You have to learn to hear from the Spirit. Otherwise, we will not know how to react to news. How to react to news. As soon as Jesus heard the news, the Spirit of God is telling him he's not going to die. Jesus is, it's not because he's God, he's knowing events in ahead of time. No. He emptied himself all his glory. He's entirely dependent upon, that's what I'm talking about. God is talking about a new spirit-led life. 
that when you hear a terrible news, you should be able to hear from within, this person is not going to die. Because if you hear, if you don't hear, you will panic. And Jesus says, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Have you ever thought about sickness bringing God glory? Have you ever heard? I told you many years ago a real story that happened a little in a church in a town in one of the towns in the U.S. where there where was this lady who was uh, confined in the hospital waiting for her delivery and uh, there was a revival meeting going on and it's the pastor's wife and the revival preacher had come and the meetings were going on and he was every week sitting at the back and he was uh, very disturbed. So, <clears throat> the last day, the lady delivered. And when she delivered, the child was born blind. Blind. And they were very upset. And the thing in the old days, so this hospital is there, full of mocking atheists, especially the one who is in charge of the telephone, BBX, over there. And uh, they knew these are believers. And the child is born blind. And uh, they were wondering, like, everybody will wonder what happened to pastor's child is born blind. So he, the revival, after meeting was over, he came and sat with him and said, what happened? Why are you so upset? <coughs> so he said, we just had a baby. The Bobby's baby is born blind. And the pastor said, hallelujah, praise God. And he said, what? So he opened his scripture to the book of Exodus and chapter 4. And this is what he read from verse 11. Verse 11, Exodus. The Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing? Or the blind, have not I the Lord? He looked at him and said, If your child is blind, it's God who made him blind. And we receive everything from God with thanksgiving. Everything changed. He thanked God, praised God. He went to the hospital. His, his wife still doesn't know, because the news hasn't come to her. He went to her and said, you know, honey, God has blessed us with a blind child. And they both started worshipping. The next thing, they took the phone and they started telling everybody, singing, God has blessed us with a blind child. And on down there, the lady is listening. Listening. It was a Saturday. She was listening. Next Sunday, there were 30 people from that hospital who were unbelievers, scoffers, who were in the church because they heard the story about a couple worshipping God and rejoicing because God had blessed them with a blind child. For this sickness is unto the glory of God. Unto the glory of God. Do you believe? That's why we are able to say God is good. 
all the time, all the time, God is good. This, uh, this sickness is not unto death. Now verse 5 and 6 says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Are you getting the picture? There are two things written here. Jesus loved Lazarus. Jesus loved all the, that family. Please understand, Bethany is on the way to Jerusalem, around two miles from Jerusalem. And Jesus is somebody who said, foxes have holes, birds have nests, the son of man has no place to lay his head except this house in Bethany. Which is true. So this was a place very frequently. So you'll see many times he in that house was a place very often found refuge. And he loved them. They're very hospitable family. Loved them. So this is a family who's going through a crisis. And the Bible says when he heard that, he stayed back two more days. This is where you need to understand. When God delays, you're going through a crisis. Whatever crisis you're going through a crisis, you are sending words, shooting prayers and rockets to heaven. Lord, the one whom you love. And God delays. God delays. It's very interesting. Jesus doesn't use any of his other methods. Roman centurion, he said, oh, I haven't seen such great. Go, your servant is healed. To the rich official, go, your servant is healed. To this person who brought the news, go tell the sisters, your brother is healed. He says, no. See, you cannot put God into a box. You just have to accept him as he is. Know who he is? Sovereign. He will do things his way in his time. But because at the core of your heart you have, you should have this strong conviction that God is good and is good all the time. Even his delay is good for me and for his glory. So when he heard he was sick, he delayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after that he said to all his disciples, let us go to Judea. Remember, if you know your story, your context, they were trying to kill him. He had escaped from there. Okay? Escaped from there, hidden himself. Now he's going back again to that place. The disciples are all very scared. They said, they wanted to kill you. Do you want to go back to that place? Okay. Let's leave that aside. Go to verse 11. Because we are dealing with resurrection. These things he said after that, he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that." I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is dead. Are there any dead people here? 
Christ comes to wake them up. That same chapter, we read about the communion. The Bible says, because you have partaken of it in an unworthy manner without judging. Many of you are weak, sick, and asleep. Let us go. Wake Lazarus up. It's a table that brings life. Table that brings death. Verse 15. And I'm, I'm glad for your sake. I was not here. Now putting salt on wound. Insult upon injury. First they say, this sickness is not unto death. Its revelation is progressive. A little later he says, no, he's asleep. No, he's dead. Little later, oh, then he's, it's good for him to sleep because sick people should sleep more. No, 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 I meant he's dead. And then he says, I am glad he died. Your marriage may be dead. Your teenage child who left home may be dead. And he's glad it is dead. Because he's the resurrection. Because what was, was of old, should die. He's glad it is dead. You may not be dead, happy, but he's happy. It is dead. He's glad he was not there. Because if he had been there, he would have rebuked that fever. And it is the old Lazarus. Nothing has changed. But he is glad it is dead. He is doing many things over there. Because these are his final hours, days. He is raising. You need to understand. These teachings are only for the disciples. Disciples who have chosen to go after him. So they are receiving the lessons. The level of faith is being increased. He's raising, raising their faith. He says, I am, I am glad for your sakes that I was not there that you may believe. You may believe. We need to understand there are so many of our prayers which God refuses to answer so that he can take us to another level because he says, I am no longer content with you staying in class one for the rest of your life. I want to raise you up further. So I'm not going to answer this prayer. You would want to cross Jordan when there are no rains and it is drought and just a small puddle. He says, no, I will make you cross during the flood season. So that you will know nothing is impossible with this God. I always tell people, when you want to do something with God, make it as difficult as possible for him. Because he gets a kick out of it. Because we don't understand resurrection. Because I was glad. I was glad for your sakes that I was not there that you may believe. I am glad that I was not there. I am glad he died. Why? Do you know something? Resurrection is only for the dead. 
Resurrection is only for the dead. There is no resurrection for the living. Resurrection is only for the dead. There is only one life Jesus has come to offer us to bring. It is a resurrection life. In 2 Corinthians 4.11 For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake. That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. If you don't die, you will not get the resurrection life. And the problem is, we will not let those things die. We want those things alive. And we are flogging God to bring the resurrection power. He says, no, it's not given to that. It's not given to that. Resurrection power is for the dead. Do you know why Abraham had to wait 25 years in the promised land to receive the promise? Because he was not dead yet. Romans 4.19 And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead. Since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah. God was waiting for them to die. Once they were dead, he visited them and said, next year you will have resurrection life. <laughs> we don't realize. After a point, God will not answer our prayers. Because all our prayers often are connected with the old man. What was Abraham's prayer in Genesis 17 and verse 18? Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Who is Ishmael? The old man. The old person. The child of the flesh. Your dreams, aspiration, vision. But there is a problem. Verse 19 to 21. God said, no. Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. And as for Israel, I have heard you because you keep on fasting and crying and wailing. I heard of you. Behold, I have blessed him, will make him fruitful, will multiply him exceedingly. He shall beget twelve princes. I will make him a great nation. But my covenant is with only with Isaac. Let me look at people over here. Okay. What's your name in this certificate? Brenda, what's your other name after baptism? God has no covenant with Brenda. God has a covenant only with Hannah. So when you pray, each one of you pray, be very careful who is praying. Bless Brenda. Let him be mighty in your sight. God says, if you keep on asking, I'll bless Brenda, but I will have no covenant with Brenda. My covenant is with Hannah. Who is praying when you pray? Who is praying when you pray? What are you praying for? If you keep on wailing and fasting and crying, God will answer your prayers. But he says, I will have no covenant with that one. It is outside the covenant. 
It's good for Lazarus to die. We had communion today. And the passage we read from 11.25 is, in the same manner he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. It's a blood covenant God has made with a born again new person. He has no covenant with the old man. He has no covenant with Ishmael. He has only a covenant with Isaac. You know, he only has covenant with people who died and rose again. He has no covenant with people who have lived and not died. That's what your baptism is all about. Last week we had a baptism in our church. So what is baptism? When you go under the water, you say, I died. And the person who rises up, God has a covenant with him. But if the old man did not die, then God has no covenant with you. That's why so many people, their prayers, if you take the first and the last part of that Our Father and in Jesus' name off and put it side by side with the Hindu prayer, Muslim prayer, Buddhist prayer, Jain prayer, they sound more righteous. Be careful. Because in verse 27 to 30, Therefore whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself, so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, for this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many Lord, Lazarus whom you love is sick. The one who you love is asleep. He's dead. He spoke plainly. He's dead. Let us go wake him up. Pray he's here this morning to wake some people up. Why does Jesus delay? Who's causing the delay? Go to verse 24. Martha, now he reads, I'm not doing this, all we have taught. Okay, we're looking in a different aspect together. Okay, when he reads there, near the town, Martha comes out. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And who Ever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? We didn't read the question carefully. We didn't read that statement carefully. Because I also read this many, many times in my life until one day you have to stop in your track and listen to what he's actually saying. Go back to verse 25. Jesus said to her, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He did not tell her, I am the life and the resurrection. But that's how we think. He says, first you have to die. Then there is a resurrection. 
and then there is the new life. If you haven't died, I have nothing to do with you because I am the resurrection. He didn't say, I am the life and the resurrection. Then we understand, yes, you are the life, I am alive. One day I will die, I will be resurrected. He said, no, you have to die now. Then you will know I am your resurrection. And then you start actually living that life. That's why Paul saying, knowing the mercies of God each day, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. He says, first thing you do is wake up in the morning and die so that you can love. If you don't die, it's not your resurrection. Then you don't know what the life is. You don't even understand what God's will is. It is always good, pleasing, perfect. But your mind cannot be renewed. You cannot gather as much knowledge as you possible. But you cannot understand because you are not dead. The will of God is people who died and rose again. It is not for people who are living and waiting to die. That is your will in the name of God. It doesn't work that way. I am the resurrection and the life. Not I am the life and the resurrection. That's what he told to the Pharisees also. Because you said you have seen, you are blind. If you had said you are blind, you would see. You know, you, you go to the shopping malls with a crowded parents, take their little children and mothers get lost in window shopping and suddenly the child is missing and then there is an announcement. Please, aapke bete, counter par hai. Before we sell your baby, come and collect your baby. Okay. You hear that? Okay. You need to realize, for this purpose the Son of Man came, to seek, to save the If you are not lost, he cannot find you. First you have to accept, I am lost. A lot of people don't still accept they are lost. So how can he seek you? He only seeks those who are lost. Only seeks those who are lost. These are fundamental differences because people say all paths lead to heaven. No, they don't. They don't. One path leads to God's heaven. The other path leads to the second heaven. Let us be politically correct. There is a third heaven, according to the Bible. There is a second heaven. And then there is earth. How can it be? See, Jesus told, I came to save the sinners. Not the righteous. The righteous are also sinners, but they won't accept they are sinners. So they cannot be saved. I am the resurrection and the life. The first thing every morning, if your alarm rings, not multiple alarms, one alarm. Did you wake up? Yes. Did you set your alarm? Yes. Did you wake up any alarm rang? Yes. Which alarm? Tenth one. <laughs> By the time college was half over. <laughs> you see, from the time your eyes open, the battle is to die. Because your flesh says, love, turn to that other 
aside and close your eyes. And the spirit says, die. Then you shall wake up. And I can be, I can speak to you. The same lesson he taught his own son. Morning by morning, you awaken to me. And he continues this practice all his earthly life. One of my favorite verses in Gospel according to Mark. Early in the morning, when it was still dark. Where did he start this? Right from childhood. He had learned to die so that he could love. Lord, the one whom you love is sick. Lord, the one whom you love is dead. Verse 14 and 15, right? Lazarus is dead. I am glad for your sake I was not there that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. The simple question in this context, whom does Jesus go to? Jesus goes to people who are dead. If you think you are alive, he will not come to you. He goes to people who have come to the end of themselves. And then he says, here I am. I am the resurrection and the life. He spoke in visions, he spoke in dreams, he spoke in many other ways to Abraham. Then in chapter 18, verse 1, he comes because now he's dead. Let's have a lunch meal with two dead people, Uncle Abraham and Aunt Sarah, both old and dead. He visits them. That's the first time he visits them personally. You know why? Because they are dead. And then he tells them, next time, by this time next year, you shall have a child. Because they are dead. Whom does Christ go to? Don't tell me God doesn't speak. He does speak. He's a living God. Rise up in the morning and die and you will see he's living. God never speaks to me. Are you dead yet? Are you dead yet? Let us go to him. Verse 37. I'm just running through with this theme, okay? Some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? They're all talking about the old man. Everybody's concern is with the old man. Jesus said, don't worry about what to eat, what to drink, what to wear. Because pagans run after these things. Your father in heaven already knows what you need. Because he says, dead men seek dead things. You are not. You have come into life. You should be seeking other things. Like the kingdom of God, his righteousness. What you seek will show the state of your soul. What do you seek? Isn't that the first question he asked in the gospel according to John? Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Two of them immediately start following. He stopped and said, what do you seek? What you seek is important. Because what you seek is showing you the state of your soul. Those who died and rose again received the new life 
seek those things that align with that life. It can happen in a fraction of a second. Absolute total transformation can take in a fraction of a second. Twinkling of an eye. Jesus, like 10,000 sons, Saul falls from, literally from his high horse, falls down. Who are you, Lord? Jesus of Nazareth. What do you want me to do? Entire trajectory changes. What do you want me to do? Everything changes. Plan changes, life changes, direction changes. Everything changes. Why? Because it's a new life. You're no longer seeking what the old man was seeking. You are seeking completely now that aligns with the will of God. But there will be people who say, could not this man who opened, kept him from dying? But you need to realize, Jesus does not want to keep us from dying. He wants us to die. So that we may love. Verse 32 and 33. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. Jesus is still troubled when we cry over dead things. What are our tears about? Does it have any relevance in eternity? And it's troubled. In eternity will it have any relevance? What you are crying over? Shut that door, please. Will it have any relevance? It's deeply troubled. Deeply troubled. He groaned in his spirit and was troubled. Then there are a few questions he will ask. Verse 34. He said, where have you laid him? Where have you laid him? They said, come and see. Now verse 17 we didn't read. I will come back to 34. John 11 and verse 17. Can I have 17? So when Jesus came, he found that he already had already been in the tomb four days. How many days? Dead, buried, stinking. Four days. And what's the question he asked in verse 34? Where have you? Do you know where it died? Do you know the day your marriage died? Where you laid it to rest? It's over. It's not going to work. Your career. Whatever it is, you consider it dead. Do you know where you laid it? Will you be able to say, Lord, come and see? I can go back, Lord, into my diary. I remember in the year 19. Do you know where he died? Because he's a resurrection.
Are you able to go back? I know when it died. I know when it died. I know when I gave up. It's over. Buried it. Wrapped it nicely. Buried it. Rolled a stone. It can be both things. Things of the world or things of God. I know the day I wrapped all my certificates, didn't bury it, put it away. Because you need to take it down once in ten years for your passport. Not going there anywhere. I'm not going back. Because what happened was one day I was under tremendous pressure. Pressure. So what did I do? I gave in to the pressure and applied to an engineering college for the post of professor of English. And I went. When I went, they called me first because they saw all my resume. They saw I had cleared net in 1993. I had all my certificates and all the others said, oh, sir, you will get it first. So I went and they called me. The whole board was there, including the chairman, professors, experts, everything. And they started asking me questions. And I was not listening to them because I was hearing a voice in my spirit like God talking to Elijah. What are you doing here? Go back the way you came. I got up and I said, excuse me, I apologize to you for taking up your time. Please call the next candidate. And I walked out. Put it all away. Never again going that route. Because the callings of God are irrevocable. Any man who puts his hand on the plough, looks back, is not worthy of the kingdom. Pressure can make you do things. That you can even take a God-given promise and wrap it up and bury it and roll a stone. God says, where did you lay it? It can be either way. It's not just the things of the world. Some people have taken the things of God and buried it. Because they thought God's delay was denial without realizing he delayed for a greater purpose. That he may be glorified through it. Ask yourself. Remember. That's why I said you need to have spiritual markers in your life. So that you can go back. You can go back. I remember. Last week I gave you a testimony. Right? I was under graduation. Third year I think. Second year. Third year. As usual. Finish the exam. I look at the first thing I look at is when the university exam comes. I look at the timetable. I look at the last exam. What day? The next thing I do is go to the railway station and book my ticket to go to Bhutan the next day. Go home. That's what I do. As usual, I left. I told you. I get down at NJP. NJP to my, where my parents are in those days, if I'm right, it was six rupees, the bus fare. I want to give them a surprise. I'm coming. No telephones, nothing. A letter. You reach faster than the letter. It takes 30 days. Okay. Okay. So, six rupees is the fare. I come to the bus station. Bus there waiting. Only five rupees. Five rupees. I said, Lord, only five rupees. You don't, you don't realize. One rupee is 30 kilometers. 
Lord, what do I do? Lord, help me. Oh, young believer. Yes, young believer. Good news Bible believer. Okay? No other Bible I had. Lord, help me. And I look. Oh, didn't I see that soldier in the train with me? I had said hello to him. So I went to him and said, Sir, uh, do you have one rupee? I need change. And he said, Oh, yeah, take two rupees. So I shared with you two days back. When I came back upstairs to my office, God asked, told me, do you remember why you didn't have money? Do you, he was not, he was not condemning me. He said, do you remember 30, how many years back? That was 40 years back. 40 years back, do you remember what you were doing in the train? It came back. We were all traveling and there was this young girl sitting there and he said, do you remember who she was? I said, yes. She was the principal of the Tibetan school in Darjeeling. And in that two days, he was sitting with her with the Good News Bible and giving her the gospel. And so when things were coming, you kept on ordering, you both kept on eating. And by the time you reached, you ran out of money, you did not know. But I knew what you were doing. So I intervened. And I had forgotten. There's a God. It's a living God who watches. That's why even what you have forgotten, He will bring to your remembrance. Show me where you have laid it. Come and see. And verse 5. Jesus wept. Very strange, right? He's going to raise him up in another five minutes. And he wept. Why would you weep? When you are going to raise somebody up. Because he knows most people will not rise. The shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Why? Most people will not rise. He wept. Verse 38. And Jesus again groaning in himself came to the tomb. It was a cave. And a stone lay against it. It's a dark place. It's a dark, dark place. And a lot of people, a lot of people shut down certain things in their life. They shut it down. Now I've told, you know, um, it's called multiple personality disorder. Okay? MPD in psychology. MPD. Okay? It's more than that. That's a clinical this thing. People split. When trauma comes, unbearable trauma comes, they split. When they split, it is a protective mechanism which God also put in there and the demons also use it. They split. And that thing that caused it is shut into a cave and a stone is rolled over there. But you can never be made whole until that is opened up. Opened up. You cannot be made whole. That's why it is written, He came to heal the broken hearted. Your soul is like a plate. When unbearable trauma comes, the plate breaks into pieces. You have to put the pieces back together. And sometimes it's shut in a cave and a stone. It is dark inside. A lot of people carry these things around. And they hear voices from that cave. 
It's not the voice of God. It's the voice of Lazarus. I could tell you stories. It's dangerous to tell you stories about the voices of people who had split. <laughs> and when I had to deal with the split pieces, the stories of each of this, each split piece had its own history. Its own history. And the main person has no clue what is the history of this person, who is in this person. But the Son of Man came to heal the brokenhearted. It's a dark place. And there was a stone. In this case, Lazarus did not roll the stone. We did. Verse 39. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. That's why we don't want the stone removed, because you know there is a stench there. There is a stench there, so we cover it nicely, put a roll of stone. Anybody tries to push the stone a little, we get very angry because the stench is coming from there. technical word used in that parlance is we get triggered. A lot of people don't understand why President Trump used to put post all those things on Twitter because when he said it, 1,500 people would get triggered. That was his job, triggering people. It is true. Because somebody can say a very innocent statement to you flare up. The question is, what triggered you? Because there is something in that cave which you have hidden and you haven't revealed to anybody that triggered you. And the person is going scratching his head. What did I say? What did I say? Was my semantics wrong? Was my grammar wrong? Was my tone wrong? What did I say? Take away the stone. Immediate response, no Lord, no Lord, no Lord. Four days, four days. Dead and stinking. Verse 40, powerful words. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Not that you see the glory of God and believe, any donkey can do that. Yahweh is Yahweh, follow Yahweh. If Baal is Baal, follow Baal. People said nothing. Morning till evening, the prophets of Baphomet jumped and danced and cut and did nothing happen because Baphomet went to sleep. Elijah sent him down to the abyss and said, shut down. I'm using terms which are used in deliverance. So he shut down. Evening, Elijah did everything and he finally stepped back and said, Lord, I have done everything according to your word. Prove yourself. Boom, fire came. Everybody fell down. They saw the glory of God and believed Dumbos. 
you need to see the glory of God before you believe. Aren't you not Israelites? Have you have no memories? Have you have no spiritual markers in your life? Are you not the children of the people who crossed the Red Sea? They saw the glory of God, fell upon their face and said, Yahweh is God. Do you and I need to do that? When Mary Magdalene and the others, early in the morning, one of the gospel accounts says, when they came early in the morning, the Bible says there was this manif- manif- magnificent appearance of the angel, lightning, thunder and all. And what did they come? They rolled the stone. The stone was not rolled for Jesus to come out. He had already left. The stone was rolled for us to look in. There's nobody there. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. Verse 21 and then verse 32. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Little later, Martha, Mary. Then Mary came where Jesus was. She fell down at his feet saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Little earlier, Martha. In verse 24. Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Did you get it? A lot of people have faith about the past and faith about the future. But faith is neither about the past or the future. It is about now. And that's where we fail. What you have about the past and what about the future is relevant. Do you believe now? If you had come earlier, how many times we all have said, I wish God had at that time, if God had, he had faith for the past. If God had intervened, then my life would not have been like that. We have faith for the past. If he had come early, he would not have died. We have faith for the future. Yes, he will rise on the day of resurrection. He said, Mary, Martha, didn't I tell you, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Don't confuse hope for faith. Don't consume nostalgia for the past as faith. Faith is always now. It's always now. Faith is always today. Today. Yesterday is a day called yesterday. What have we learned? About yesterday, what should you have? Peace. Some of you are sitting with big, long, grumpy faces because you don't have peace about your past, about your yesterday. Faith for today. How do you know you are standing by faith today? Because you have entered the grace of God. And you realize the grace of God is sufficient for me. If it's sufficient for Paul, they will never go half of what he went through. It's sufficient for us. When you look into the future, what do you have? Hope of glory. A lot of people, when they look into the future, their faces are glum. Why? They have no hope. They have no hope because they're not, they're not standing on faith today. What a terrible life to be caught in where you have no peace about your past, no faith for today, and no hopeless for tomorrow. <laughs> what a hopeless life. 
That's not what God came. He came to give us a different life. He says, as far as you're concerned, you can have peace about your past. If you have any doubts, go into the tomb and look. Roll the stone. Look. It's not there. It's not there. If he's there, we have no hope. We have no peace of our past. It's not been taken care of. Death was more powerful than Christ. Atonement means nothing. Forgiven but dead. It's like the doctor saying, operation successful but patient is dead. What difference does it make it to you? Jesus died on the cross but never rose again. What difference does it make to me? I will also die and will never rise again. The difference is he rose again. Therefore, I have peace about my past. When I look into the future, I have hope. But the proof of the pudding is you. Where are you standing now? Because we have been born again. First Peter 1 and verse 3 is a very powerful verse. 1, 3. Chapter First Peter 1, 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. He is the first man to rise again and never die again. Others had risen and died, but he never died again. So we have hope. That is the hope inside. Blessed hope. Living hope. Because the first, I'm telling you, if you want to move ahead in the world, there are 999 ways. You have to move ahead with God. You have to deal with the fear of death. If you do not deal with the fear of death, you will not move ahead because there is this enemy that resists us. And he can be resisted and overcome by only a set of people who believe in the blood of the Lamb. They know the blood of the Lamb works. They have peace about their past. They have a word of testimony that is always connected with their present. That is of faith. And when it comes to life, they do not they love their lives even unto death. And the devil has no answer to people like that. It is written. We, we read, I have run my race, I have fought my fight, I have kept my faith. Paul talking about, but do you know what church history talks about Paul's execution? He's being taken to be executed. The chopping block. The Bible says he ran and put his head down on there because he was going home. What do you do to a man like that? What can the Roman Empire do to a man like that? Not afraid. Going home. That is resurrection. That is resurrection power. You believe. Do you believe in the resurrection? That's what Jesus is telling. Do you believe? Do you believe? Forty-one and forty-two. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and his father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe you sent me. Do you ever... Read these verses. <laughs> Lord, I thank you. Lord, I know you always hear me. But certain things, it is between two of us. We have to, I have to pretend and talk it loud. Though it's a communication, so that they will know you sent me. But these people don't believe. 
When will they believe? That they will believe that you sent me. When they when will they believe that God sent us? Chapter twelve, verse nine. Now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, and they came, not for Jesus' sake only, but they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There's only one testimony God has left in the earth. Is the resurrected life of Jesus Christ. When they see that, they will believe. If they don't see that, there is no evidence God has left on earth. Now they are not just coming to see Jesus, they're coming to see Lazarus. Because he's raised from the dead. Which life are you living? Because there is a life that cannot be hidden. Cannot be hidden. The resurrected life cannot be hidden. It's impossible to. Because they know you were that. They know you are this. It's known. You were this. You are that. You may struggle with many things, but they know at some point you have radically changed. Your direction has changed. Desires has changed. Everything has changed. It cannot be hidden. It is no longer theology. It is life. When will people believe? Now they are coming to see Lazarus. Earlier <laughs> they were coming to see Jesus. John chapter 3 verse 39. John three thirty-nine. Now great. Yeah. Shall we? 3. I didn't give it to you. You didn't get it. 339. 39. John 339. Oh. Okay. Sorry. 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 439. I just, see, I didn't do math like Pastor Vijay. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him. Because of? Because of? How did they believe in Jesus? How did they believe in Jesus? Because of a woman. Because of a woman. Think about it. This is a woman who had five husbands. Living with the sixth one whom she is not married. And then she comes back. And they believe in Jesus. Looking at her. This is not the life we have seen. The funny part is that many in the city believed in him because of the word of the word. Let me ask you. First she is a woman. Second she is married and divorced first five times. Third she is living with the sixth one. How can you believe in Jesus listening to this woman? Because it's a radically changed life. You have no argument against a life. You can argue doctrines. You, can, you cannot argue a life. Jesus looks at him and said, okay, you all have arguments about my doctrine. I have one question. Which of you convict me of sin? Everybody's wife's name immediately became Zipporah. Why do you think 
Moses was stuttering and stammering. Luke 15 and verse 32. It was right we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. Why is the elder brother outside? Because he's alive and not dead. Why is the younger son inside? Because he's dead, therefore he's alive. And therefore he is not able to partake in the joy of the father. The principle of I am the resurrection and the life goes through the stories, whether it's a Samaritan woman or whether it is uh, the prodigal son, whether it is Nicodemus. Why does Nicodemus come to the light in the dark? Because he is dead. He's dead. And he will remain dead. So it will write in brackets later, Nicodemus who came in the night. Came in the night. Yeah, close that door, please. Verse 43. John 11, 43. And when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. John 5, 25. Most assuredly I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who will hear will love. Let me tell you something. There's a difference between hearing the voice of God and the voice of man. Though the words may be identical. Those who have heard the voice of man, responded to the voice of man, repeated a prayer and even have got baptized are still dead. They never came out. It is those who have heard the voice of God behind the voice of man who come forth. The dead shall love. The dead shall love. The Son of God's voice still goes forth from a thousand places every day on planet earth. Come forth. And those who are dead shall hear. The others won't hear. It can be the same setting. They can't hear. What they're hearing has to be the voice of the Son of God. And the Bible says on the day of Pentecost when Peter said they were cut to the heart because they were hearing the voice of the Son of God. Come forth. And they said, what shall we do? Come forth. Because only the dead can hear and love. But the Sanhedrin couldn't hear. Caiaphas couldn't hear. The Levites couldn't hear. Because they could not hear the voice of God. Because they thought they were alive. Therefore they could not hear. Nicodemus came to Jesus. Heard simple things he could not understand. He could not hear. Samaritan woman, nobody would give her the time of the day. She heard and she came forth. Have you heard the voice of the Son of God calling you come forth? Because only the dead can hear. Ephesians 2, 1 says this. And you he made alive 
who were dead. First you have to believe I was dead. I was dead in my trespasses and not I am a sinner. I was bad. But everybody is bad. I am not as bad as him. He stole silver. He stole gold. I only stole silver. No, I was dead. The gospel is for the dead. Who were dead in their trespasses. It's for the dead. He made alive. Only those who are dead, he can make alive. He made alive those who were dead in their trespasses. Because we are talking about the resurrection life. The dead hear the voice of God. The living hear the voice of man. Son of man, can this bones live? Go to Ezekiel 37. The hand of the Lord came upon me, brought me out in the spirit of the Lord, set me down in the midst of the valley. It was full of bones. And he caused me to pass by them all around. Behold, there were very many in the open valley. And indeed, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can this bones live? So I answered, Oh Lord, you know. Again he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. The Lord. Read verses 11 to 13. Same chapter. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry. Our hope is lost. We ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. When will we know? When the graves have been opened and the dead are raised. We were dead, buried, living in this world, but we were dead. Until you realize you were dead, you cannot love. The gospel is for the dead. That's why that's the final miracle of Jesus Christ. The pinnacle of his ministry. After that, they realized he has to be killed. This guy is too dangerous. The Lazarus church. Sick, fallen asleep, dead, buried, stinks. God waited for Israel to die. He waited for it to die. It went to Babylon and died, then came back. And I do believe God is doing the same thing in the world now. Is waiting for the church to die. Waiting for the church to die. Don't get carried away by the news, okay? Be carried away like Ezekiel 37.1 by the Spirit of God. Go 
So suddenly the voice of the Spirit will go through a million voices across the earth. Come forth. And you will see so many weirdos with pink hair and yellow hair who were part of the LGBT BLM people written of coming to life. Because he's speaking, come forth. And all those who were kosher and Bible attending, God says, leave them alone. They were always dead because they thought they were alive. What happened when he walked on earth should not happen in our time. He said to the Pharisees, the prostitutes, the publicans are entering into the kingdom of God because you thought you were alive and they were dead. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. The gospel is for the dead. Put away your smartness away, your educational qualifications away, your reasoning, everything away. Go before every day. Fall on the altar and say, Lord, I am dead. Thy will be done. He will say, rise and look. Go forth in my name. Otherwise, we are just Abrahamic with Ishmael. Lord, oh Lord, that you would bless my Ishmael. God says, I will. But remember, I have no covenant with Ishmael. John 12, verses 1 and 2. Then six days before Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. Where Lazarus was, who was dead, whom he had raised from the dead. And they made him a supper. Martha was served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Ephesians 2.1 And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. And verse 6 and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Only the dead who have been raised up sit with Christ. The living don't. You never see Lazarus before this story. Though many times he goes to Bethany, you don't see Lazarus. This time you see Lazarus. Where is Lazarus? Seated with Christ. You who were dead in the trespasses, he made you alive with Christ and you are seated in the heavenly places. Because if you are, yes, our feet should be firmly on earth, but be sure your head is in heaven because then you will realize, you will see things differently. The reason we see things as we see is because of where we are seated. Otherwise we will be overwhelmed by the pressure that is coming and has come upon the world. The reason we are not able to handle pressure is got nothing to do with the pressure. It's got to do with where we are seated. Where we are seated. There's only one place for us to sit. Walk on earth, but sit in Christ. Next time, go to the airport via high-tech city. Look up at all those ICIC towers and all those towers and then get into the plane and look down. Matchboxes. How did they look? 
when you were on earth? How did they look? What happened? Did the building change? No, your position changed. The building still remains the same. The problem still remains the same. Nothing has changed. The problem still remains the same. What changed? Your position changed. And you're looking at the the problem differently. Lord, six months wages won't be enough. One boy with five, what? Just give it to me. Give it to me. When it came to his hands, the same thing changed. Why? From where he was seated, he was seeing it differently. He lifted up and said, Father, thank you. Make them all sit down in groups of 50. Broke it, blessed it, broke it and said, distribute it. What, what changed? Where are you seated? Verses 9 to 11. Now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there and they came, not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus whom he had raised from the dead. That is when people will come to you. What is the reason for your hope? Didn't you hear the rumor in the company? Lay off, lay off, lay off. 200,000 laid off in the IT sector in India. Are you not upset? No. Why? Did the manager say your job secure? No. Then why? Your daddy has lots of money? Yeah, plenty. Really? Then why are you working? Because he told me to work. How much money does he have? All the money in the world, it belongs to him. What, is, what does he have? Oh, he has cattle on a thousand hills. And then he said the gold and the silver are also his. He said the hair on my head is numbered. He said not even a sparrow falls to the ground without falling. And he says my father takes care of all of this. That's where I am not worried. How do you see? Now they have not come to see Jesus alone. But they might also see Lazarus. All of us should be Lazaruses. People who died. Who, who died. Who was buried. Who was stinking. I knew before I got saved how stinking I was. My first testimony. My first time I actually realized I was saved. I heard from another. I told you last time also. Malayalam is one of the be- most beautiful languages. And one of the most filthiest languages. You can choose which side of the coin you want. And I knew the filthiest words in Malayalam. That every second word was filthy oopsie. The good guys, not saved guys, the good guys stayed away from me. The others stayed with me and some good guys also stayed with me because even then I had a sense of humor. So for that humor, they stayed with me. Then I got saved at 11 in the night in the hostel room. And I was walking down Marivanas College, down the corridor I was walking down. My regular friends were there. And one of them looked at me and said, James, what happened to you? And I asked them, what happened to me? He said, you have changed. How have I changed? He said, your language has said, I have noticed you for the past three days. Not one obscene word is coming out of him. I did not know it had gone. 
it doesn't come it doesn't come even if somebody kosher in my presence uses a word which is not kosher i say we don't use that we don't use that the first thing he touched in my life was he touched my tongue and just took it away it never came back never came back that's when i realized something has happened to me <laughs> something happened i who was dead buried and stinking and the stink was literally coming out of my tongue had been made alive made alive you should all have your own testimonies a life should be full of testimonies so that people will come and you should say look what the lord has done not look what i have done no what the lord has done many of our testimonies is what i have know what the lord has done when i believed but the chief priests plotted to put lazarus to death ah did you see that 10 and 11 but the chief priests plotted to put lazarus to death why because on account of him many of the jews went away and believed Jesus all who are truly born again and have a testimony aapke naam par ek supari hai they want you dead they want you dead it's not they want you dead they will mess up your life so that nobody will listen to you again they want you dead you know why because you have a real testimony in the spirit realm there is a cross here at your back this man this woman this child is dangerous why because if you allow this one to go on like this many will believe in jesus now the chief priest chiefly should be very happy right religious people should be very happy no they are the ones who had set out the hit squad remember this be prepared for this now it's not that they don't want to jesus dead they want to also want to kill lazarus it's been the same throughout history starting with righteous abel jesus said down to zachariah whom you killed between the altar and departure everybody who has a living witness they will try not literally physically yes that happens all the apostles except john was martyred but more than that they will try to kill you because you are a danger to the enemy's kingdom this is the words i gave you last week so you have to be prepared for spiritual attacks and not waver in your commitment don't get discouraged and depressed the enemy will use slander and scandal and sickness and inform all kind of things why to see that you don't turn people to jesus because now the house is crowded because they did not come to see jesus alone they have come to see 
Lazarus. The religious system, the political system, they will all come together. Mark 15, 1. Immediately in the morning, the chief priest held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council and they bound Jesus, led him away and delivered him to That's what is happening around the world. Did you see what's happening? The religious system and the political system are coming together against Christ. And his children. The woman, that's the religious system, riding the beast, the political system. So be prepared, because you have a testimony. Don't be afraid that you hide your testimony. For they overcame by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and did not love their lives even unto death. They wanted to kill Jesus. They wanted to kill Lazarus. And now they want to kill you and me. Because our life is a testimony. I was dead. Rama, the man who was born blind, he didn't know it was Jesus who healed him. Then he found it was Jesus who healed him. And when they, his father and mother were also scared, they said, he's old enough, you ask him. What is his testimony? I don't know your doctrine and all, you're quoting all this doctrine and so many subsection A, B, I don't know, I know one thing, I was blind, I see. What do you say to that? Your and my testimony, she said, I know one thing, I was dead, now I am alive. I have nothing more to say, case closed. When I was with you, I was dead, and I would still would be dead. But one day I was dead, he made me alive. I have no grievance against that. Is that your testimony? Or are you still dead in your trespasses? Because the voice of the Son of God still goes forth. And he says, come forth. The graves will open. The dead will hear. And love. We sing that song. But who is singing that song? Remember how we began years and years ago, every Sunday morning. Ephesians 1. Verses 17 to 20. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. What is the exceeding greatness of His power Toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. He says, are your eyes opened? If you are truly born again, do you know what is the power that God has kept inside his Holy Spirit? The same power that raised Jesus up from the dead is the one who is come to reside in you. That is the resurrection. Romans 8, 11. But, 
if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Do you know what it says? The previous verse is, my body, your body, in the eyes of God was dead because of sin. You know what we were all, as James says, we were all dead men walking, laughing, enjoying life, all dead. The body was dead. We were dead. We were dead, going towards death to eternal death. All dead men walking because this body was dead because of sin. And we who were dead in our trespasses, one day at some place, through a friend, through an evangelist, somewhere, we heard the voice of God calling us, come forth. We believed, we repented, and we turned. That's what it is talking about. What did he do? Now he gives life to that same mortal body. But it's a different life and different direction. The body is the same. But the life has changed. He gives life to the mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And there was a fundamental difference. Go back to Acts chapter 2, 40, 41, 42. With many other words, he testified, exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And verse 42, they continued steadfast. Something radically changed in their life. What did they come? For the steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That's not a Jewish custom. They go to the synagogue on the seventh day. They don't go every day. Priests are noticing something. Open place, temple courts. These 3,000 people are gathering every day for Bible study. What is this crazy people doing here? They are gathered every day. Something has changed. Why? Because their mortal bodies that were dead had come to new life. And that new life needs bread from heaven. How to live this life of the kingdom? How to live this kingdom life. Second, radically changed. This life has to be tested out in fellowship. In fellowship, all kinds of things will happen. It has to be judged. And then when they pray, things were happening. Simple formula. Very simple formula. Very simple. How did the church start? This is simply, practically take it on a personal level. Every day, this becomes life. Every day, you long primarily fellowship with the saved, not the unsaved. If your fellowship, your long is with the unsaved, other than for evangelism, there is something radically wrong with you. Maybe you are not born again. Even if it's your own flesh and blood, I am telling you, even with my own brothers, I cannot speak more than one minute. Because after that, we start talking about the weather. 
How is the weather there? Is it raining? It's, there's nothing to talk. We can talk family. But beyond that, there's nothing to talk. It's not that you love them less. You actually love them more. Because you realize where they are going. Everything has changed radically. Perspective has changed. Because you are on one side of the river. They are on the other side of the river. Examine yourself. Paul will say. Whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Whether Christ is in you. That's the restaurant. What would Christ do? What would Christ do? So don't, this is not another Easter. We don't even call it Easter. We call it Resurrection Sunday. It is, we don't have festivals. Festivals are for people who are not saved. And if they want to have a festival, let them have it. Even the same. It's okay. It's a memorial. But don't be a Jew who used to assemble in Jerusalem three times a year, a Christian who goes to church three times a year. You have not been tested. Young ones, I keep telling you, you have not been tested. You will be tested the day you have freedom. That is when you will know. That is when you will know. When you get your first job, when you get your first job, and you have money on your pocket, because, you know, that makes you independent. Independent. That's why Jesus said very clearly, Look, honey, you cannot serve God and mammon. It is not possible. Don't even try it. You cannot serve God and mammon. It's not possible. These are not random things. These are actual, genuine things. Okay. Because these are personal. We, we have to look back and see, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, I realize. And you ask, well, why did I make that choice? Then you realize, you were not making that choice. It was that life in you that was making those choices. I told you, I was 22 years, 23 years old. In the 1980s, when I got my first job, moving into a car. It was a good job, okay, 1988. You get a job at that age, which gives you potters and 5,500 rupees. was a huge amount of money. Do you know I started my first job as a young man higher than my father's last salary? Honestly, I didn't know what to do with the money. Because every month, the accountant would come to the staff room and says, one sir hasn't cashed his check. I'm not able to tally the accounts. Everybody has cashed. And I said, I forgot the check is lying in the drawer because I didn't know what to do with the money. I will tell you, as I was entering that country as an employee, as the huge gate is there, I saw this little shop and I saw one heading fading. New Life Book Center. I looked at it. New Life Book Center. Has to be Christian. I went in there with my back, looked through the books, picked Richard Wombrens, God's Underground, Picked Watchmen, picked Martin Lloyd's Daily Devotions, which my wife reads now. Go check in her house. She reads it now. 
She said, you read this, I want it. I am keeping it. So she reads it now. And I took this book for the next two years. That was my manna and my good news Bible. I didn't make that choices. The life in me made that choices. Do you have that life? That's a resurrection life. I was dead. But now I am alive. Old man is still there. Sometimes the old man makes stupid choices. But you realize, I'm, I'm not that. I'm not that. I am this. I'm not that. I am this. I'm not that. I am this. You consistently are aware of it. and You fight it. and You go back. Put yourself right. You go back here. Because you know, this is who you are. This is the resurrection power. If the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead resides, lives in you, he will give life to that same old, dead, mortal bodies. But the life in that old body is new. It starts making choices that are completely different. And it is always connected with God and not with mammon. What is making your choice? Mammon? Mammon? Or God? Mammon or God? You can't help it because we are living in this world. The pressure is intensely, but you have to be aware of it and fight it. Last verse for today. Mark 9, 23. One of my favorite verses. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, if you can believe, all things are possible. If you can believe. Let me ask you this question. You're facing each one, whatever, you're facing a situation in your life. Whatever situation in your life. Suddenly you hear an SMS on your phone. Alert. Ding. Look at it. Oh, somebody put 10 lakh into my account. The problem is gone. If it is gone, then it was never about grace. It's never about grace. This is how you check your prayers. If God were to answer each of my prayers with a chunk of money, if my problems will go, then it is not about grace. I was telling my wife, I think last week, that's honey, I said, the typical worldly way, it's time we retired. Because all our children are working. We have no burdens. We can easily retire, hand it over to Pastor Vijay and go buy some rocking chairs and sit there looking into the evening sky. But we are only getting started. And if I had any doubts, one of my college send, kids sent, one of my college friends in that college group sent a video on WhatsApp saying that medical science has proved a man actually starts at his best capacity from the age of 60. And I said, yay, I'm reaching 60. That is when he starts reaching the prime of his life. So I haven't reached my prime yet. 
Here people, young people, before they start working, they want vacation. Think different, but you cannot think different unless you have the life inside. It's a life that causes you to think differently. Otherwise, you will always struggle because that life is outside and you struggle with that life. You get mad in church. You get upset. Then you go, I have to go back to church otherwise Pastor James will never call. El Sunday will trouble me. Why were you not in church? And we sing monotonous, I was glad, very glad when they said to to the house of them. This is life. Shall we stand up? This is resurrection life. This is not that old, grassy, monotonous life. This is resurrection life. What is waiting on the other side is the actual manifestation of the resurrection life. Father, this morning, I pray you have spoken. I pray, Father, around the world as people were repenting, convicted, graves were opening. Many were coming out. Many who were dead in their trespasses didn't hear my voice, heard your voice come forth. Bound in grave clothes, but came out. You command, loosen them. And as they continue hearing the word of God, the cords will break, the chains will fall off. As they worship, chains will fall off. As they listen to the word, it will fall off. And they will move from liberty to liberty, to strength to strength, to glory to glory. Of course the world will put their cross triggers on them. They will want them dead. But Jesus said, anyone who believes in me will live. Even if he dies, he lives. Or he cannot die anymore. Even though Abel is dead, he still speaks. Even though Enoch is seen no more, he still prophesizes. Even though Abraham died and was buried, the beggar Lazarus found rest in his bosom. They are not dead. God is not the God of the dead. He is the God of the living. Ask yourself today, let the Holy Spirit tell you whether you are living or dead. For God is the God of the living. But in his kingdom, only who die first can love. Every day, Lord, help us to rise up and die first so that we can love in your power. Everyone around the world listening, Father, I pray, they will die so that they may love. That the Son of Man may be glorified. 
and our Father may be glorified. So that you are able to say about each one of us, I am glad that I did not intervene. I am glad that one is dead. Let us go. And now raise him up. Raise people, Lord. Let the graves open. Let the valley be emptied of the dry bones. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. And the day of the Lord is near. But Lord, I pray. There will be servants of yours in every valley speaking, prophesying to the wind. Breathing upon those bonds. That in these last days you will have a mighty army. They may look uncouth. They may come from every kinds of weird groups. But they are an army that are rising from the dead. Prostitutes and publicans walked into the kingdom in your time. And I believe the same thing will happen. Drug addicts and prostitutes and lesbians and homosexual and transgenders. We call them weirdos. Cure. But Lord, when they hear the Son of Man's voice come forth, they will leave it all and come out. They will come out. For you have prepared your table and you said the seats are empty. And you will compel your servants to go to the byways and call them and bring them in. Touch your people everywhere. Or your servants who are listening and who will listen in the days to come. Let no one be discouraged like Elijah. Like John the Baptist. Let them lift up their heads. Gird their loins and go forth. For the calling still stands. There is a Nineveh waiting for the voice of Jonah to repent. Touch, O Lord, touch. Touch today, your people. Let life come forth, your life. That you may receive the glory, the honor, the power and the praise. Thank you, thank you, Lord, thank you. This is the beginning of the year for us, O Lord. And I pray there will be a transformation starting today. For all who believe, your word says nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. You will turn things around. Thank you, thank you, Father. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. And we declare, thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. God's people said, Amen. By the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each one of us. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Lunch is on the other side.